you know, gasoline and the vapors mm. around that. Yeah. So I was just like this, this walking, not bomb, but you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, like five minutes or so maybe went by and I just, I reeked like gas. So I'm like, yeah. I need to get this sweater off. And I took it off and I thought I kept a safe distance away from the fire. And I kind of gave the ground, you know, a little kick mm-hmm. towards the fire. And I, I say it's like a detonator cord to dynamite that mm. that flame just followed me and just wow. and up I went. Yeah. Welcome to the Let's Not Sugarcoat It podcast, a podcast about the real, raw and unfiltered side of motherhood. We're your hosts, Alex and Bella. Let's get into it, ladies. All right. All right. Well, we're back. And today we have another male guest in studio. We have Aaron Volpati, who, sorry, like I'm Polish. So, oh, you got Volpati. 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 Yeah. Like Volpa- not a toilet seat, not but a vo- patty. Okay. Yeah. Volpati. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it happens. So, Aaron is a former NHA player and a pioneer in vi- visualization and performance mindset. He holds a Bachelor of Science degree in human biology from Brown's University. His hockey career, post secondary studies, and personal experiences led Aaron to develop his unique practice. He is dedicated to teaching others how to find their true grit through visualization. I'm very curious. Aaron has truly insp- a truly inspiring story of overcoming tremendous amount of adversity. Today, Aaron is focused on inspiring people around the world through his coaching and speaking engagements. His journey and successes wouldn't have been possible without the extremely powerful visualization, that's another tongue twister for me, visualization practice he developed. He wrote his own story and visualized it every single day. The unique practice that Aaron teaches his clients has taken him to the highest level in professional sports and it has also saved his life. Simply put, he owns his life, he owes his life to this practice and it is why he is so passionate about teaching it. Welcome. Welcome. Nailed it. <laughs> right? <laughs> Got it. You know, I, I do my best. <laughs> no, that was great. Um, well, welcome, welcome. Yeah. Uh, I kind of did Google you a little bit here to... to um, kinda you didn't watch hear. any videos, I hope. I did. No, I saw pictures. I, I do get a little bit grossed out uh, with the bodily... The blood. The blood. And <laughs> you know, my cousin is a nurse and she was sick and she loves doing this. She sent me her hacked out crap oh. on it because she knows I will be gagging. So, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. That's kind of... Family. Family. They just, you know, like to do this shit to us. But anyways, <laughs> tell us, because you have an a amazing story, like a true fighter. You have a book, um, The Fine. Fighter. Yeah, defying the NHL odds, uh, which you brought for us. And thank, thank you, you so yeah, much. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So tell us a little bit about your journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, where do you want to start? Uh, <laughs> In the beginning. We always do this to people. <laughs> We're like, start when you were born. No, no. Just kidding. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, for me, like my life has always just been little, I shouldn't say little, big moments and, you know, insights into the power of the mind, mm-hmm. really. And different types of adversity. So uh, I always tell people like on paper, it's like, man, this guy's had really shitty luck, mm-hmm. you know, but all of that has led me to just 
something even bigger and better and, and amazing. And it's really opened up like the power of the mind, like I said, through these different types of adversity. Mm-hmm. So earlier in my life, I shouldn't even say early, like my childhood was pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Like we had, you know, grew up in Revelstoke in a little trailer court. My family was super tight. Uh, but I really got thrust into adversity when I was 19 with this burn injury. Mm. Um, and that's where it, where it really started. Mm-hmm. And later in my life was more like the emotional and spiritual mm-hmm. adversity. And, you know, it's very different, mm-hmm. right? And there's different pillars to mental health. Mm-hmm. Uh, like physical adversity, I was really good at overcoming that. Like mm-hmm. if you put a wall in front of me and there was something that I want on the other side of that wall, like I'll break through that to get what I want. Yeah, right. Um, like I was a fighter in the mm-hmm. NHL. I was I was tough. Yeah. But then I realized later in life, you know, after hockey, that inside, like emotionally and spiritually, I was just this like young, immature little boy. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't know how to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's all come back to, to this visualization practice, cinema, mm-hmm. cinematic mind mapping, the technique that I teach like just time and time again, it's just been so powerful in changing my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've never made the mistake since, you know, about five years ago. Uh, to I practice it every day now mm-hmm. just because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I never had the maybe wherewithal when I was younger to like think, hey, maybe I should continue with that. Like, mm-hmm. look what I did. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't. And obviously, like I said, now, now I do. So, mm-hmm. and so, you developed this technique. <clears throat> yeah. I did. Want to tell yeah. us? Yeah. Can you tell us more about it? Like, well, so I, I originally developed it in the burn unit. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can get into that, that part of the story, which is mm-hmm. a, a yeah. big part of it, obviously. Yeah. yeah let's. Uh, and then, but I was just thrust into that. Like, I didn't have another option. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll, I'll tell you more why. Uh, but then I, you know, I, then I studied it later when I got to Brown, like I started learning a little bit about the brain, you know, and the plasticity. And then I got, it just snowballed and I got like mm-hmm. even more interested. And I kind of like, in a sense, learned what I had gone through and developed. And then I just refined it, you know, as I, as I studied and read more and, and through my experience playing hockey and, uh, and yeah, and, and started this business a few years ago mm-hmm. through, so it's all a culmination of personal experience and, and research and, mm-hmm. and learning. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So you had an accident because that's, I did. Yes. Yeah. So tell us a Everyone's bit. like, what's this accident? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I was, uh, so I was 19 turning 20 and I was playing for the Vernon Vipers junior A team mm-hmm. in Vernon. And you know, I was always like, I was always that guy at like many of us at that age, <laughs> but I thought I was invincible and untouchable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're feeding a young ego at that age and I was a fighter. So I was living up to that fighter stereotype, I guess, yeah. and what I thought that should look like. So I was just labeled like that crazy kid from Revelstoke and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I liked it. Yeah. Uh, again, you're kind of feeding that ego a little mm-hmm, bit, right? right? So I was just always doing stupid shit. <laughs> uh, and so I was also a pyro with that said. And on the night of this accident, we had just lost in the the league finals to Surrey. So this is 2005. Mm-hmm. And my my buddies on the team were like, hey, you're going to do your, your annual pyro show. Like we would go up camping, um, have a bush party. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, of course. 
And so what I had done the year prior was basically like blowing up beer bottles full of gas. Mm. So not smart, right? Mm. But that was my thing. And this next year I I thought, well, how can I make this show bigger and better? Mm. And I'm like, well, I need more gas. Yeah. So I filled up wine bottles this time of Mm. gas. So I have them in my sweater pocket, Mm. like the kangaroo pouch or whatever. Right. And I'm, we're walking around this party and I'm getting people kind of revved up for the finale, yeah. I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And as I'm walking around, I was, I just all of a sudden was soaking wet. So the bottoms of those bottles had hit and broke. broke. Mm-hmm. So now I had a liter and a half of gas just spilled all over my, my torso and my legs. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now we had been drinking mm-hmm. and I knew that like, hey, there's a fire over there. Mm-hmm. And I have gas on myself, but I didn't respect the dangers of, you know, gasoline and the vapors mm-hmm. around that. Yeah. So I was just like this, this walking, not bomb, but you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, I, like five minutes or so maybe went by and I just, I reeked like gas. So I'm like, yeah. I need to get this sweater off. And I took it off and I thought I kept, kept a safe distance away from the fire and I kind of gave the ground you know, a little kick mm-hmm. towards the fire. And I, I say it's like a detonator cord to dynamite that mm. that flame just followed me and just, wow. and up I went. Yeah. Mm. And then you're wow. lucky to be here with us today. It could have been a lot worse. Yeah. Could have been. Yeah. So unfortunately for me, that, that fight or flight response kicked in mm-hmm. and I just, I just bolted. I just ran, mm-hmm. which was the worst thing I could have done. You like know, ran hindsight. on fire. Literally, well, yeah, because yeah, yeah. getting it oxygen, it's like yeah. flaming, you know, with yeah, with the blanket, with the blanket yeah. stuff like that, yeah, and just like I was rolling around, mm-hmm. all wow. that. Um, you, c- you can't just like put out a gas fire like that; mm-hmm. it almost like jumps around, mm-hmm. right? So I just I couldn't get it out. Mm-hmm. I, I tried everything, yeah, and um, like there was we were up at Blue Nose Mountain, mm-hmm. um, like in Lavington, Lumbee area, yeah, and. Total, no service, like in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. There's no, it was in April. So there was no snow, water, grass. Like it was all just dirt and rocks and yeah. nothing to help me to get that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember it was such a weird out of body experience. experience. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. in any pain, mm-hmm. you know, you're in so much shock. I just remember feeling like very warm mm-hmm. and obviously in a state of panic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, but at, at some point, like people ask me, well, how long were you on fire for? And I, I, I couldn't yeah. tell you. Right. Yeah. It was like slow motion. It felt like minutes. Yeah. Right. Um, it obviously wasn't that long or otherwise I wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, at one point I just remember thinking like, as I'm running and rolling around, I'm like, I can't get this fucking thing out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this could be it. Like if I can't just stay on fire forever. Yeah. Right. And then finally that's at the moment, that's what, cause my buddies were, were chasing me this whole time. Yeah. Right. Right. But I had a little bit of a head start and I was pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, How did they uh, get it out? So they just, they threw, they hit me, pushed me mm-hmm. onto the ground and then just smut. So they, smut they knew to you. smother. Yeah. They just started like beating me with their jackets, smothering me. Wow. Uh, yeah, a bunch of them even like burned their, their arms wow. and hands trying to get it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and for me, like there was nothing left of my clothes. Yeah. Wow. Like I remember having the waistband of my pants and like mm-hmm. that was pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely yeah, a lot of damage. And I didn't realize 
the extent of the injuries until like we finally got it out. I got situated on this this cooler. Mm-hmm. And again, like total shock. I'm not in any pain yet. Yeah. Right. But I was kind of like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. Yeah. And that's when like I started looking at people and it was a pretty grim scene. Like people were crying and because mm-hmm. remember, we had no service. Yeah. Right. And I remember people like kind of whisper panicking. Yeah. Like we need to get the pen the fuck out of yeah. here. Like we got to call 911. Like yeah. we mm-hmm. can't call 911. Yeah. Uh, and that's when I I looked and I kind of met their gaze and looked down at my body and I realized that like this isn't good like I've fucked up pretty bad here mm-hmm. uh, like just piles of skin hanging off yeah. and like yeah I don't know how graphic you want me to get yeah. but uh, <laughs> it, wow. it it wasn't good yeah uh, so thankfully one of the guy's girlfriends wasn't drinking and I piled into the front seat of her car and then we had you know. I don't know, probably a 30, 40 minute car ride to the Mm -hmm. hospital, which was, Mm -hmm. that's like the pinnacle of pain I've felt in my life. Mm -hmm. You know, once that shock wore off about, you know, it started creeping in like even five minutes after. And then halfway through that ride, I was like, I felt, I feel so bad for the driver, Mm -hmm. his girlfriend. And, you know, I've since reached out to these people, obviously, but yeah, I was like, screaming mm. and blacking out. Yeah. Like my body was just like, we can't, you can't handle that level yeah. of pain. Right. Yeah. And I thought I knew what pain was. Cause you know, I've been punched in the face hundreds of times. Mm-hmm. If you can't tell, uh, <laughs> <laughs> broken all the bones, like right. had hundreds of stitches. Like yeah. it just was this dwarfed all of that. Mm. Um, well, I can, yeah. yeah. Well, so, I can't imagine, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I imagine that like when you're the saying pain. the pain, holy moly. Oh yeah. man. Yeah. And like the smell, I, I'll never forget the smell. Mm. Of like burning but flesh. It's, yeah, it's very, very bad. Mm. Uh, so that was, now as you know, like I was just thrust into this world of adversity, really. Right. Yeah. Like real, a real, real test of adversity. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, yeah. And then I, like to shed light on the situation, I which I can do now. I always tell people like, picture the emergency room at, you know, whatever time this mm-hmm. was, one or two AM. Yeah. And you probably have like a screaming baby and someone has chest pains and, you know, a guy got in a fight at the bar and he needs yeah. some stitches or like whatever your emergency room picture looks like. Yeah. And then in comes this ass naked, mm-hmm. right? I and mean, there's nothing left mm-hmm. of my clothes. Uh, like I'm filthy. There was dirt and rocks like embedded in my raw. Mm-hmm. burns mm-hmm. and like I'm just I'm ble- I'm screaming at the top of my lungs and mm-hmm. I just run into the emergency room wow and I can imagine like sh- everyone was like uh okay you you, you can, can help him for- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's first now. he's yeah, gonna okay, in the line <laughs> uh, I'll wait, yeah. I'll wait. <laughs> um wow. and then I they must have just knocked me out I don't remember anything after that mm. so so how long were you in yeah. the hospital for so I got airlifted to Vancouver a few hours after that. Mm-hmm, right. Once I was, I guess, stable and, and they wrapped me up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't even know I was in Vancouver the next day. Mm-hmm. Like the first few days were super foggy. Yeah. I don't really remember too much other than like, I just remember seeing my parents' faces come into focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember asking, so my my girlfriend at the time, who's now my ex-wife, which is another whole part of the story. Right. Uh I was like, does, 
does she know? She, they're like, yeah, she knows. Like mm-hmm. she was here to see you off. I'm like, what do you mean see me off? Like where I'm not in Vernon. Mm-hmm. And my parents are like, no, you're in Vancouver. Like mm-hmm. you're going to be here for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I was in, and this is all part of like the mindset and, and the visualization mm-hmm. practice. But uh, I, w- I got out of the hospital in six weeks, but they told me that I would be there basically all summer. Mm-hmm. So I, I I left early. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. So what was going through like your head? Because, you know, you're in hockey practicing, mm-hmm. right? You, you're doing good. You're on a, a path. And then now you have this injury, yeah, right? And you were told that you may not play hockey again. Yeah, not. I was told yeah. I would not. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. What, what, like, is that when it triggers? Like, no, I'm going to fight her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a really good question. So that didn't come to a little bit later in my stay mm-hmm. in the burn unit. Uh, first, I, I guess I should preface it with like, I had, I never even thought about pro hockey. Yeah. Like I wasn't that good. Mm. You know, I snuck into junior A as a fighter. Yeah. Uh, so my NHL or my dream was just the NCAA. Yeah. Okay. I'm like, if I can just get, you know, a scholarship and get an education and, and play hockey for another four years yeah. till I'm 25. Like I didn't go to school till I was 21 because... I didn't get recruited until yeah. <laughs> before that. Like I had yet to even talk to one scout before this injury. Mm-hmm. So I was a long shot to make it aside from this whole shit show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the moment that I realized it, it was over was it was day three. And I remember coming out of this procedure, debridement, Mm-hmm. which I'll maybe spare the details, but they basically like skin you alive mm. wow. to keep those, um, the third degree burns like fresh mm-hmm. for the eventual skin graft. Mm, okay. Cause that scar tissue builds up so fast mm. and you just like the swelling. Mm-hmm. So they have to like essentially just oh cut you open and slough all your mm. skin off. It's, it's bad. Wow. Um, so the, you go under anesthetic for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I come out of this first anesthetic, this first procedure and the doctor walks into our room mm-hmm. and this is day three. So at this point, we didn't know how badly burnt I was. Like yeah. we knew it was bad. Mm-hmm. I was in Vancouver. There was only 10 beds at the time. So it's the 10 worst burns in the province, right? right. Uh, like my parents didn't like, am I going to make it? That's what they're thinking still. Mm-hmm. And I'm fully wrapped head to toe. Mm-hmm. I got like little eye slits and my oxygen nose mm-hmm. piece in my mouth and that's it. And the doctor comes and he, he's going to relay my prognosis, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. he looks at my parents and because they're just an absolute mess mm-hmm. at this point still, right? Right. And he says, it's okay. Your son's not going to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a very lucky young man. It doesn't look like his face is going to be permanently scarred. And I don't think we're going to have to skin graft over his joints, mm-hmm. which is a very good thing. Uh, but... He's like, it's going to be a very long road and he's going to be in here for a while. He's 40% second, third degree burns. Mm. And, you know, we're going to focus on rest and pain management for the foreseeable future. Uh, and that was kind of it. Yeah. Now, I think my parents took some solace in, in that fact that, okay, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, in my head, all I could think about was I have training camp. Yeah. With my team in like three and a half months. Wow. 
And again, I'm going into, so now I'm in my last year of junior hockey eligibility. Mm -hmm. So this is my last chance to get a scholarship, Yeah. right? You can only play hockey, junior hockey. You can't play past the age of 21. Yeah. So I asked the doctor, you know, what does this look like? And like, to paint the picture for you, I'm totally wrapped head to toe. I'm sure no one's ever asked him something yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> and he he kind of just froze. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll never forget the look on his face till the day I die because it, I was like, oh, fuck, it's over. Mm-hmm. Oh. And yeah, he, he laid that gavel down and said, like, you're lucky to be alive. Yeah. Uh, these recoveries take years, mm-hmm. not months. Like, you're not going to be playing hockey in a few months. You're going to be in here for for a while. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, we'll get you in a pair of skates in a non-competitive environment in a couple of years when your recovery is complete. Wow! And I was like, oh shit! And that, so I, I kissed that dream goodbye in that moment because mm-hmm. he should know. Yeah, right. right? They've seen you know countless injuries like mm-hmm. this. So for me, it was like a battle of these different emotions. Well, I mean, number one, the pain. You're yeah. just dealing with that all day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on one hand, I was like down and depressed of what my life was supposed to look like yeah. now yeah. as a burn survivor and, and not a hockey player. And the fact that I, I wouldn't be able to go chase this dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the other hand, I was I was very grateful that I was going to be okay and I'd make a full recovery and live a relatively normal life. Mm -hmm. I'd look a little fucked up, but like (laughs) chicks dig scars apparently. So so that was my first two weeks in that burn unit was just trying to live and battle these like Mm -hmm. different emotions. And so obviously something changed. Yeah. Right. And that came about two weeks in and I got a call from my coach Mm -hmm. in Vernon and he said, listen, I was just talking with one of the coaches from Brown University mm-hmm. and they're looking for a certain type of player. Yeah. And his exact words were, we need a guy to put the fear of God in the defenseman of the Ivy League. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now that was kind of what I did. Yeah. So he's like, well, I got the perfect guy for you. There's just, you know, one major problem. He's laid up in the burn unit and yeah. it doesn't look good. Right. So my coach is like, just, they want to talk. You give them a call. Yeah. I know you got the time. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> clear your, your schedule. Day is open. Day yeah. is open. Yeah. yeah. And so my parents take down the number and they they stick the phone. Remember, I yeah. like I have no use of anything. I'm bedridden. My so I they stick the phone between my ear and my shoulder and we mm-hmm. call this coach from Brown. And it was left really open-ended. Yeah. You know, they just said, We're sorry to hear what happened. Mm-hmm. We wish you the best in recovery. And it was like almost a formality. Mm. Yeah. And he said like, yeah, maybe we'll get to see a play one day down the road. Like take care yeah. of yourself. Both of us knowing that that wasn't on the table anymore. Yeah. And we hung up the phone and I just, I remember getting really emotional mm-hmm. with my family in that moment because again, I had worked my whole life to just talk to one of these guys. Yeah. Right. And I'd finally done it. And like, look where I, look where I am. Look what I had done to myself. Yeah. Uh, so I sat with that for a little bit and then I just, I naturally started asking questions mm-hmm. in my head. I'm like, okay, so they're telling me I can't play hockey. Why? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was a really, really good long list of reasons mm-hmm. why I mean, infection was probably number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, those burn injuries are, are very susceptible to infection, especially mm-hmm. putting it under 
hockey gear that's never mm-hmm. been washed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's just asking for yeah. sepsis. <laughs> right. Um, you know, the skin grafts were going to be too limiting, too painful. They would take two years to fully heal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to wear a full body suit for two years. I couldn't sweat from those grafted areas. Wow. Right. Because the third degree burns, you burn through everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and at time, if we were, we didn't know, was I going to be 20% grafts, 30, creeping up to 40? Mm-hmm. Like if it was that high, then there's a lot of complications with heart rate and being able to cool down. And it, it just went on. Mm-hmm. And I just remember thinking like, basically you're telling me it's going to hurt too much. Yeah. And I'm like, well, it can't be worse than what I've gone through these last two weeks, mm-hmm. which was a little bit naive thinking, but mm-hmm. that's what I thought in the moment. And I just made a choice. I'm like, I don't accept this, this prognosis mm-hmm. and the way you're dictating what my life and what I'm capable of. Mm-hmm. And I just said, fuck that. I don't accept that. Yeah. Uh, so I made a promise to myself in that moment. And I, for me, that's always been really powerful is just, it starts with the choice, mm-hmm. but then like that hundred percent, I'm willing to die before, like literally I was willing to die. I made a promise to myself. Mm. I'll deal with these complications if they come my way, but I'm willing to take that risk. Mm-hmm. So with that said, and now that's what people always ask me, well, how did you discover visualization? Yeah. Mm. Well, this is how I was bedridden in a burn unit. Right. My body was out of commission. And once I had made this decision, like that was all I had. Yeah. My, I figured it was my only way out. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd heard of visualization. I didn't read any fancy books. I mean, that came later in my life. Yeah. So I just started imagining what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Right. And that consisted of a few things. So number one, I knew I needed to get out of the hospital way sooner than they were telling me. You mm-hmm. needed to make it to the camp. <laughs> I need, yeah. If I didn't make it to camp, yeah, there, was no there was no scholarship. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, I probably could have came back even by Christmas potentially, mm-hmm. but that would be cutting it close. Mm. Uh, but yes, in my head, that's yeah. totally that what was I thought. your line. Yeah. Yeah. So I would, you know, visualize healing like at a cellular level. Mm-hmm. Just imagine like those the burn areas just closing and mm-hmm. healing. I would reframe my relationship with with pain, Mm -hmm. which made a huge, huge difference Mm -hmm. because it fucking hurt all the time, nonstop all day long. Mm -hmm. And, but I think, you know, instead of shielding the pain and like, like sitting with how much it hurts versus like welcoming it and knowing that it's just my body healing and it's getting me one step closer, it made a massive difference. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I would visualize walking out the doors of that hospital Mm -hmm. and like, just imagine like feeling the wind on my face going on this, this journey Mm -hmm. and this comeback, you know, of a lifetime kind of thing. Uh, And then the home opener or the season opener for the Vipers, like really just kind of thinking of it like a movie. And this is like at the core of my technique practice that I teach, which we can get into, but yeah, really trying to like immerse yourself in this experience. So I would just, like imagine myself in the in the dressing room with the guys for the first time, like seeing my burns, putting on my gear, mm-hmm. uh, going on the ice and then just seeing and hearing the crowd. Uh, again, really trying to create that experience. And then the guiding star of this whole visualization practice was that commitment letter to Brown. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine just having the letter and and holding the pen and just 
Like I literally obsessed over that. Yeah. Yeah. I just obsessed over it. Just seeing and feeling that signature flow. Mm -hmm. Again, knowing I had, had done it and felt great about the fact that I didn't give up and just, it created such an intense emotion for me. Mm -hmm. And so again, in, in this moment, I like, I didn't realize the superpower that I was unlocking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, But I effectively was, I was just able to like transport myself out of my current shitty physical reality and just live in this other world. Mm -hmm. And I got to escape and just be that person yeah. For as much as I wanted, mm-hmm. which I needed yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in the burn unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, we're going to skip over a very large part of like the hell that that mm-hmm. right. next really year was, but especially like six months. Mm. Um, so I, I got out of the hospital in six weeks. Now, granted, I they didn't want me to go. Mm. I had just gotten my skin graft surgery done, but the burn unit is... Uh, it's one of the most amazing places in the world. Yeah. The people there are truly amazing. What just the injuries and the the adversity that these people have to go through, but it's also one of the most horrific places mm-hmm. there is. It's like there's just constant screaming right. all day cuz the pain is just like nothing you can imagine. And I needed to complete my you know a certain for at least the first phase of rehab at GF Strong in the hospital Mm -hmm. because there's a major risk with these injuries. If you don't care for them properly, like you're going to be pretty fucked up and you got to make sure that they're healing, that you don't get an infection Mm -hmm. and that you're working these skin grafts so you can function properly. But again, like I had this, this mindset and this vision and I, I told my dad one morning, I'm like, you got to get me the fuck out of here. I can't stay here anymore. Yeah. And, but again, this is what they were saying. Well, he needs to stay here to get dressing changes every day to do yeah. his rehab. And I, t- I said, if anyone's going to follow it, it's me. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and they agreed. I, yeah. I semi-jokingly said like, well, what's stopping us from just walking out the door? They can't just arrest us. Or, you know? <laughs> yes, so I'm like, I'm going to, I couldn't walk. I was still in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. but I'm like, you're going to wheel my ass out of here tomorrow. Yeah. Right. It, and but like, like I said, they yeah. agreed and maybe the thought of opening up a bed and they, I met with the the physiotherapist and they gave me a big program and they gave me a garbage bag of supplies mm, yeah. for, because yeah, just the dressing changes all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I got out in six weeks, but the, the issue I guess was I had this, this mindset and I had this vision that was so strong, but the body is the governor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So my body was just begging me to stop because it was trying to heal. Yeah. Right. From a major surgery. And here I am trying to like not just rehab, but I'm trying to train yeah. right. for this training camp. I mean, to like rip off a few complications. I had kidney stones the day the day after I got released, I got yeah. kidney stones. Mm-hmm. And That's I actually hard. ended up back in the Vernon hospital, the same mm-hmm. hospital I ran into right. six weeks prior. And there was one lady that was actually working from the night of the accident Mm -hmm. and I get wheeled in in my wheelchair and I'm just like, I don't know what this pain is now. Yeah. And she's like, (laughs) she was speechless. It's like, you're alive. What are you doing here? And I'm like, anyways, it was kidney stones. And then (laughs) just kidney stones. You're (laughs) like, this time I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. And then the first like six weeks of that summer, I still couldn't walk. 
Mm-hmm. Um, because if I was upright too long, my skin grafts on my legs would just, they'd bleed out. Mm-hmm. So it was a really, I, it was a really hard balance between pushing myself and, and knowing, you know, where, where to like rest because I didn't, in my mind, didn't have time to rest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was a really hard thing to balance, um, with just, again, not being able to move around a lot. Uh, I had a, an emergency appendectomy 10 days before that home opener. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, and they actually had to cut because I have a big skin graft on my torso. Mm-hmm. And when I went in there and they found out it was appendicitis and like, this needs to come out like now. Man, just can't and, get a break. Yeah. Right? And then so she's appendicitis? Like, my gosh. <laughs> and then they had to cut through the skin graft to oh get it. So there's all complications with that. And mm-hmm. so basically I had every reason to to quit. Yeah. And to give up, and trust me, I wanted to give up at some point every day mm-hmm. because it was it was very difficult. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think back often, like, what if I would have? Then my my life would look a lot different. different. Yeah, yeah. So I ended up committing to Brown about two months after that home opener, mm-hmm. uh, and I knew they were coming to watch me. So I was like, I just I got to make it to that game because mm-hmm. I was holding on by a thread. Yeah. I really was like mm-hmm. I was on crutches to this is when you could get shot up with painkillers and you made the decision if you played not the doctor. Yeah, right. Right. So in my head, I, again, that vision was so strong that, you know, there wasn't another option. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I did it. And I'm, I mean, the doctors were right. It did take two years. I just happened to to mix in some hockey. Some hockey in, in the meantime. Just mix it in. Oh my yeah. goodness. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So yeah. then you were saying um, through all this, you know, how powerful the mind yeah. really is. And when you start visualizing and actually, you know, living into that mm-hmm. vision, you start acting as if it's already here. Mm-hmm. Totally. Right. So then yeah. you are taking those steps to move forward and push yourself towards yeah. that goal, that end goal. And it's in that journey that you learn a lot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just how important it is to just every yeah. day choose yeah. that dream, yeah. choose right. that goal instead of having all those excuses. And yeah. you had a lot that you could <laughs> have had for sure. Just yeah. like, but you that know? vision, but that vision was so it's so powerful. Yeah. And you can it just it takes some practice, but you can make it power mm-hmm. anyone can make it powerful mm-hmm. right and that's why i say like if if this was a movie and yeah. you get to be the director what would that look like mm-hmm. and the beauty of the mind is there's no limitations in there mm-hmm. so it gets to be whatever you want you get to be whatever yeah. you want uh and then the amount of like belief and trust in yourself the more you can live in that mm-hmm. is is huge yeah and and your brain actually doesn't know the difference mm-hmm. between experiencing something you know, in the physical reality versus up here. Mm -hmm. There's a small caveat with that. Like if you can make it seem as vivid and real and create emotion because emotion equals experience, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you can get it to that point, that's where you start evoking like real change Mm -hmm. in your brain. And like you said, if your brain doesn't know the difference, it thinks that that's already happened. Yeah. So this is like really what manifestation is mm-hmm. where you slowly, because your brain thinks it's happened, you slowly just become that person every day. Yeah. Right. A little more and a little yeah. more. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. you start attracting and, and emitting different energy. And that's yeah. really what it is. Yeah. yeah for sure. Yeah. Then there, it, there it is. Eventually. Yeah. The universe yeah. provides, yeah. opens yeah. doors. And- well, and the, 
and there's never a guarantee. And mm-hmm. I preach this to all my clients, like mm-hmm. especially my athletes, you know, they want to win an Olympic gold medal. I'm mm-hmm. Like, perfect. I love it. Yeah. Let's, let's go here. Mm-hmm. Go big. Right. Yeah. Uh, but obviously there's not any guarantee with anything. Yeah. Yeah, That's right. not how life works. But the, the point is that and you can't predict the future, but you can mm-hmm. affect the future. Yeah. With, you know, what's going on on that brain's big mm-hmm. screen TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So yeah, no, a hundred percent. It's like visualization is one thing living into taking steps, but life still happens. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like with right. you, right. You well, on paper. Yeah. yeah right? It's like, yeah. So it, it could have gone a different way, yeah. but it, you still continued through. So, yeah. but it's about yeah. having like no regrets too, yes. right? Where right. you, you have this vision and you chase that. Yeah. Um, and that's the other piece of this that I haven't mentioned is like, yes, you get that, that belief and that trust, uh, and you can evoke change in your mm-hmm. brain. But the reality is it's not like a sit on your ass yes, and watch right. Netflix and visualize yeah. until this dream comes true. Yeah. Like there's work, there's an obsession piece to this. And that's yeah. what that helps cultivate Yeah, where your daily habits and choices, mm-hmm. everything that you do and you live for every day, it's, it's aligning with that vision. And that's yeah. the other side it's, of this. Yeah. And yeah no, creating sure. a vision is important too. And, and, and then the yeah. journey being present in the moment, totally, mm-hmm. because you know, we have, let's say a vision, uh, you know, here, but mm-hmm. as we're journeying through things may change because you will evolve yeah. into a new person oh, totally. where you're like, okay, well, this was my vision, but Hey, I think I'd rather be here, right. you know? And, and now you're living into a different vision, different dream. Right. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't have been able to do that if you didn't start yeah. with that initial. Totally. I like to use the analogy of Google maps. Yeah, It's mm-hmm. like that, right? Where yeah. you put in your destination and it tells and you, you hit start. And then, well, in my case, my wife's yeah. the co-pilot and we <laughs> right. end up making a wrong turn <laughs> or, or, I, or I miss a turn. Sure. So sure. Aside, <laughs> aside from creating a big fight with your spouse, yeah. you know, what, is, what does Google Maps do? Yeah. It redirects. It redirects you, right? And, yeah. and it's in those like wrong turns, mm-hmm. which would be, you know, that's the journey where I didn't want this to happen, but yeah. I'm here now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just reroutes. And it's so there's never uh, a right path mm-hmm. or there's never like one path. There's yeah. just, it's just your path. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's in those, the wrong turns and the missed turns that you build the necessary grit. Yeah. Uh, and overcoming that adversity to get to the destination. Mm-hmm. Right. And it so. is the grit. Like it, it's important mm-hmm. because, like you said, people, will sit, watch Netflix and say, I have a dream. Yeah, we, want, you know, I want, a dream. Totally. we uh, want the easy way. Yeah. That's not how it works. Yeah. Or yeah. people would be like, I want a million dollars. Why can't I manifest that? Well, you know, you gotta, well, because you're, you're sitting, sitting there. there. Doing yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. totally. Yeah, it's yeah. like that yeah. my 5 a.m. 5 to I I don't call it the 5 a.m. club because I don't get up at 5. I get up at 520. <laughs> so it's my 5 520 club. Yeah. club and I get myself to oxygen yoga and I do my workout and that's that's it sets me up for the day. Totally. It it yeah, yeah it's just it's discipline, it's, right? it's discipline. It's having that, you know, like you said, discipline to getting mm-hmm. up and taking those steps for me to be focused to be able to handle all the stuff that I have on my plate and, you know, get my closer to 
my yeah. goals and, and dreams, but it is, it's yeah. getting up and, you but know, you're not doing work. that just because like, I should do this or I'm supposed yeah. to do this. Like I'm assuming because you yeah. have like some bigger purpose or you have a vision. Yeah. That's the why behind yeah. it. Because like working hard just to work hard isn't going to take you no. very far. Yeah. yeah. It's going to get pretty old pretty quick. Yeah. It's pretty boring fast. It does. Right? Yeah. So yeah, I do have, um, I've done a lot of transformational work on myself mm-hmm. this past uh, summer. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that visualization, uh, I'm, visualizing where I want to be and then creating those habits to get me there. Um, Yeah. It's quite, it is powerful. Like the mind is so powerful. It is. Yeah. It's the most, it's the most powerful resource that we possess. Yeah. Yeah. And And then it is so like the whole neuroplasticity, right? That you can just change your whole way of being and thinking. You totally can. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, you elevate yourself and you're operating on a higher frequency you know, your vibrations and then you're attracting mm-hmm. yeah. the people that, that are, help you get totally. there. <laughs> they're on that same level or higher and then you're feeding off each other and, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, instead of being in that right. lower, you know, just, oh, yeah. I want to be this, but I'll we'll never like, get there. Yeah. We think yeah. the universe works in mysterious ways, yeah. but there's a little bit more to it than that. Uh, yeah. And there's so, a reason. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. no, that's awesome. So tell that's us powerful. a little bit more about your visualization. <laughs> yeah. We have this whole book here. I can't wait to read that. Uh, yeah. yeah, right. Um, so how do you work with clients? Like yeah. how do you, you know, what's what's your process? Yeah, so I, you know, onboard my clients and then we go through, it's a 12-week program. Mm-hmm. And so I do it. There's a couple different ways. Like I don't advertise on on my website, the one-on-one. Yeah. So I do do my program like one-on-one for the whole 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I don't advertise that because I usually keep that to like three or four people at a time. Yeah. Um, so that obviously looks a bit different where it's like we're in it together for the whole 12 weeks and mm-hmm. I help craft this movie. Like again, it's yeah. like you're the director. Yeah. Here's what I want you to try and mm-hmm. think of. And every week we add like a different layer or or scenes to the movie yeah. and just you know really craft that mm. uh online looks a bit different so it's the same program but there's like three different sort of options with that mm-hmm. so one is just like self-paced you just watch the videos and you go and do it on your own time mm-hmm. and then there's different tiers where you know we can set up the zoom calls mm-hmm. you know once every couple weeks or few weeks yeah uh, or just one throughout the 12 weeks and just really like unpack everything and mm-hmm. see if there's areas that, you know, we can improve or refine the practice. Yeah. So that's sort of, I guess, how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 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 So cool. do you, do you, do you and your wife visualize together or do mm. you, do you just do your own <laughs> things? Uh, we have done both. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, again, there's just so much I could share. Um, Please do. Well, yeah, please do. Yeah. <laughs> this is real raw and unfiltered. I, I, I guess what I should say, quickly going back to the um, to the hockey journey, because mm-hmm. I didn't want to leave this out. But when I went to Brown, like mm-hmm. I totally abandoned the visual uh, everything. Yeah, because I had made th- my dream. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you made it. I didn't yeah. really have the wherewithal to think like, whoa, that was if I could do that, what else could I do? Yeah, mm-hmm. so I just went in you know, lived the U.S. college experience and yeah. had a blast. And I worked my ass off on the ice. Yeah. But yeah, that didn't come until I was 24 years old after my junior year. And my coach put this bug in my ear. He's like, you should maybe give the pro hockey thing like a, a thought. And I'm like, 
Mm-hmm. I was like, what? <laughs> Never even thought about it. Yeah. Uh, so, and that's when I went back and made the choice and went to this. That, that's really when I got the idea of the technique that I teach. Mm-hmm. And that's really thinking about it as a movie. This, yeah. my life and this journey and where I want to go yeah. as a movie. And I lived in that. And mm. like I said earlier, every time I've done that, my life changes, like not a little bit, like yeah. dramatically. Mm-hmm. And so, and that helped drive the obsession uh, into that senior year at Brown. And I just, I exploded. Mm-hmm. Not, not literally not like really, before. No, yeah, not like before, yeah. <laughs> not like yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, no, I, like in six months, I went from no one knowing who I was to everyone. Wow. Yeah. And it just, it happened really quick. Yeah. Uh, but again, life after hockey, uh, was a whole other beast, mm-hmm. right? So I had a career ending neck injury. So my spine's fused and I, mm. at the end of the day, just couldn't come back from that, Yeah, which was a hard thing to balance with, you know, with my burn injury, I couldn't necessarily make the burns worse. Yeah. It was just more, can you handle that level of pain and, and deal with the risk of infection? Yeah. Which I signed up for both. Uh, but with my neck, there was a real risk of like adjacent fusions or, you know, mm-hmm. even a worse injury. Mm. And I was thinking about family at the time. And yeah. I'm like, well, I want to be able to like pick my kids up and shit. Mm-hmm. So that was a really hard thing to let go of mm-hmm. because I had just been trained to like push through anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and once I, once, once that hockey career ended, then that was when like that other type of adversity really started mm-hmm. piling up. Right. Um, so we can maybe revisit some of that, but to answer your question uh, with my wife and I, I, I've always like, I don't want to say make the mistake, mm-hmm. which, but I used to where I would, I'd visualize only when things were like maybe bad or like when I wanted something, but yeah. now I, I know that, you know, I just practice it. Mm-hmm. every day regardless of, of how I'm feeling. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so with my wife and I, we've, you know, had a lot of adversity on the baby front mm. and experienced a lot of losses, a lot of complications. Mm-hmm. Um, she even, she got diagnosed with cancer the last mm. or the first one. Mm. So, and that visualization practice, it, it was just like another example of how just how crazy the the world can sometimes be and work mm-hmm. where we got this diagnosis and I, I was like, I want you to visualize it with me. And that's when we would do it together. Mm-hmm. And just like at a cellular level, like just, ima- I don't, I want you to imagine like this clean, pristine body and just mm-hmm. be- believe that it, you're going to be fine and you're going to be okay. And then just visualize our family. Like yeah. there's a baby there, mm-hmm. right? We're just together. And we went back for like the, in, the initial chemo, like we went to the cancer clinic mm-hmm. and they're like, it's like your sick welcome package, like welcome yeah. to being a cancer patient. Yeah. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, like, mm. where are we? Yeah. Right. Pretty like pretty grim and, and all yeah. this kind of thing and, and helpless feeling almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and we went in there and, and the doctor was like, so, and she just kind of paused and I'm like, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. She's like, I don't think you, or she didn't say that you don't have cancer. Wow. Like, just like that. It was wow. wild. That is wild. Now, because I, 
she said that it was misdiagnosed and it looks very similar to this other thing. Yeah. But I still like, I can't help but think and go back. Like, again, as soon as we went and practiced that, like it just all changed. Yeah. And so whether it's like a medical miracle or just a misdiagnosis, like, I guess we won't truly know, no. but mm-hmm. either way, it, it, was it like doesn't changing. matter. Yeah. It was like changing. Yeah. yeah. Visualization. So, so now we, we visualize together and we have our own individual practices mm-hmm. uh, all the time. Yeah. Wow. And it's, that's kind of the, I guess the ending that the book was supposed to be. So mm-hmm. now we have a three month old Yeah. Mm-hmm. after all the craziness. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's not in the book, but it's, yeah, it's like the ending yeah. that, that never was. And yeah again, through all the shit and like the, the different roads you take and yeah. it doesn't, it's not going to seem like it in the moment, but yeah, you'll get one day to the end and realize like it was all worth it. And I, like, yeah. I wouldn't be here without any of that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so how is so it powerful <laughs> being a dad, yeah. Yeah. like with a three month old, you got yeah. this book, you're, yeah, well, you're son. you have another yeah, son, my, you're moving. <laughs> my first son, he, he's going to be eight in December. Aww. Yeah. So we're back to the craziness with Aww. the newborn yeah. and then we're moving in a month and like I'm, I've been traveling all over North America with work. So it's definitely no shortage of excitement, but yeah, but yeah, no, it's, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, are you, uh, with your eight year old, do you, uh, did you start the visualization with him as well? Or are you, you, do you have like a, yeah, good question. Mm -hmm. Uh, We more like put little bugs in the ear and, and just change like dialogue so he knows what I do yeah Mm -hmm. and so we talk about it a lot and I'll tell him like before games and it's a tough balance because I think there's a major issue with kids like just not growing up too soon but yeah you know like hockey for example it's like well little Johnny's gotta like at nine years old play hockey for 365 days a year and then do all these things and it's like no he doesn't he needs to be a kid Mm -hmm. yeah so that's my issue there. So I, I never want to like breed. It's so hard because you have to have the obsession, but I want him to just be a kid too. Yeah. So I'll put it in his brain. You know, if he wants to score a goal, I'm like, well, th- think about it and visualize yeah. it. Like mm-hmm. just imagine yourself scoring a goal. Yeah. Just little things like that. Yeah. Uh, I think more a b- bigger picture. I just catch him changing his like personal dialogue. Mm-hmm. You know, like tying his shoe. Yeah. And I'm like, we have a rule that you, you're not allowed to say can't. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah. We have He's like, I can't too. tie my shoe. And I'm like, well, are you just having a difficult time? Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you can do it. Yeah. And we got time. You yep, keep trying. You take practice, your time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. You know, so, so things like that, right? Yeah. Where it's just little habits that they can yeah. learn now. Yeah. Um, and just being okay with a little bit of adversity. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because I find that the kids nowadays they, they don't go right to the can't. Yeah, they, yeah. Don't they can't deal with it. They super deal. Well. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's maybe the whole schooling system where you well, get everyone gets participation, participation ribbons. <laughs> oh yeah, don't get me started. Yeah. On that. Yeah. it's the worst. <laughs> you know, you gotta teach yeah, the he's kids. Gonna throw those in the garbage. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, yeah. No, you have to teach them that there. You know, there is winning and losing. Yes. Uh, throughout our journey and life, yeah. mm-hmm. and we need to know how to deal with loss and wins and everything in between we cannot just I know, take yeah, so away 
we you shield know? all the yeah. adversity. It's yeah. like our kids can't have any adversity. Yeah. Well, and, then they all have anxiety issues when they're in their twenties. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's a huge problem. Yeah. yeah. That's horrible. Where so. it's like you need to fail. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, if you don't, the, like yeah. you're gonna once you leave your bubble, life is gonna knock their shit out right? of you. Yeah. Like, and it's in those like low moments of failure, or like when you're like, "Holy shit, I can't believe this is." The situation I'm in yeah. that you learn that you have the grit and the power to like move forward right. in them, yeah. right? Totally. That's where you find your own true strength. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I'm sure <laughs> we can rant on that <laughs> all day. Yeah, I know, right? We totally should go uh, to schools and maybe we should we do should Let's not sugarcoat it and, and <laughs> yeah. you know, bring it on. Like, we are winners. We, we have this guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. No, but but you're totally right. You know, it is, it is, it is a crazy it's a world <laughs> right yeah. now. Yeah. But like you said, it's another topic for another day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in your coaching, do you, do you, um, focus on athletes or do you fo- like, do you non-athletic or can, people? Yeah, can anyone do it? I've done both. Yeah. Yeah. My, I mean, my practice is like, I would say 80% slightly higher athletes mm-hmm. to non, but I have worked with non-athletes yeah. because it's just, it's really about raising a ceiling mm-hmm. for whatever you think like your respective like potential mm-hmm. might be. Yeah. And just again, tr- creating change and, and affecting your life through this practice, right? Which we yeah. can all do. It's not only for athletes. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, like with my background and and yeah. uh, it's primarily athletes. But yeah. So is it like um young adults or do you have like a little bro? bit of everything? You have mm. pro- yeah. Yeah. I really f- I've worked with people from all around the world at this point now. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I have like over the last few years, I've, I've gotten a little bit younger yeah. because of what we just talked about mm-hmm. where these kids grew up in such a different world than we did. And yeah. they all have like, whether it's performance anxiety or fear of failure, yeah. they can't make a mistake anymore yeah. because then the world's over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is a few years back, but when I was just, you know, kind of working with like the college and junior and, and pro primarily hockey, like now I'm everything. Yeah. But it was primarily hockey. And then I I just slowly would get calls from parents, mm-hmm. of, from kids of, you know, 12, 13. Yeah. And the first time I, w- I said no. And yeah. I'm like, I don't, I can't deal with a 12 year old that hasn't, like, I'm thinking to myself at 12. Like we never had anxiety. I know, no, I know, right? My parents were like, "Be home for dinner," yeah. and we would go play on the hill and like play whatever game we yeah. played, and yeah, we, that's all we did. Yeah, but now it's 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 not that. No, right? So I circled back and I was like, you know what? Let's just let's try. Yeah. And yeah, some of the younger kids are the most rewarding because the amount of change has been so incredible, mm-hmm. and like really rewarding because again, some of them are like just crippling yeah. uh, anxiety mm-hmm. and things like that. Right. Where it's really helped with that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's two types of visualization. So we've mm-hmm. been talking about, you know, I call it belief imagery. So mm-hmm. that's where like the core of the cinematic mind mapping with the technique I teach and it's, you're the director. This yeah. is, you know, the movie of your life. What does it look like? And yeah. I'm like, like, well, you know, I, I'm having, I'm like, there's no limitations. Like just yeah. it get just whatever you could make it be. That's what it is. Yeah. So that's, that's like the core of it. But then the other piece is the rehearsal imagery. And that's mm-hmm. what most people think of when I'm like, what do you think visualization is? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, I'm just like executing 
something in my head. I'm like, yes, that it's the successful mental execution of a skill, yeah, really. And a skill can be anything. Now with with the athletes, that's you know, if you're a defenseman in hockey, it, you know, it could be just visualizing battles in front of the net, yeah, making passes on the breakout. Uh, walking the line in the offensive zone and shooting pucks and getting them through and scoring goals or whatever it gets yeah. again whatever you want right uh, with a non-athlete that might be whatever skills you need in your in your life or that you want to maybe improve on or nourish yeah. right maybe you want to become a better leader mm-hmm. or you want to communicate better or you it, you know it could be on the family side and yeah. you get to just imagine like mm-hmm. what is that ideal Mm-hmm. like self-image that's where I tell people like your yeah. ideal self-image and like infuse that into like all these skills that you want to identify and mm-hmm. you just you visualize it yeah so there's there's two types within I guess the program yeah yeah well no that's awesome yeah I I feel like you know our children need this tools like this yeah I think I'm gonna read this book and I'm going to so that's it the program's in the back of it too Is okay it? Oh, okay yeah. oh so, so that's like obviously the the online and and all that's yeah. like a deeper dive, but that's you know yeah cool. How was it writing a book? I'm thinking about it. I never thought I would be a book writer, but there's something yeah. inside me right now that's like I need to get my story out there. It um, was. Uh, how was that experience? Did you visualize I was, it too? <laughs> I was scared shitless to write oh, really? that book. Like I didn't yeah. want to write the book. No, mm. um, who made you? No, I did. You did. I did. Well, so remember, like, we haven't even talked about this, but like life after hockey, like mm-hmm. I hit rock bottom and like mm-hmm. really depressed and I was in a dark place because, mm-hmm. yeah, again, like I had that loss of identity was very real for me. Like mm-hmm. I was a hockey player for 30 years. Right. And then it's just over like that with my yeah. neck injury. And I'm, I just was told, I didn't know who I was or what I was, what I was supposed to do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I had an Ivy League degree and I was still lost. Like, yeah. you know, a lot of guys struggle in the professional athletics world, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Because, yeah, that's a really, that it's loss of identity is yeah. really, yeah, really hard. Sense. Yeah. Uh, and then as as you know, like life can kind of come all at once, yeah. right? And that's what happened. So I had, I was dealing with that. I was dealing with the, the pain and chronic yeah. stiffness with this neck injury, Uh yeah, my my ex-wife, she almost died mm. in in childbirth. Mm. Like, I mean, like the lights were. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was pretty, yeah. really, really uh, traumatic. So we were like, I was dealing with all of that. Mm-hmm. My dad got diagnosed with ALS like a month mm. later. Wow. Uh, and so I was just the walls just were crumbling, crumbling. down yeah. around me. Right. Um, eventually, like went through a divorce. Uh, was working in wealth management mm-hmm. and just like. I remember sitting at my desk and thinking like, how the fuck did I get here? Mm. Like a couple of years ago, I was, you know, playing in the NHL, living out this dream. And yeah, that's, that's where it's, you know, that emotional and spiritual adversity. I just mm-hmm. didn't know how to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, when I went back to that, that's when my life changed. And I met my, my now wife not too long after. And, uh, but I was still looking for, a career move like I needed Mm -hmm. to work yeah and uh I had almost bought a business and thankfully I didn't because COVID came shortly after that right and I remember just I went for a walk and I I usually visualize like outside on this bench by our place and 
uh, or meditate sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, I can switch it up. And, yeah. but I remember just like thinking like, what am I going to do? Yeah. With the, like, I need to do something here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this book had always been a side project, mm-hmm. you know, especially with like my teammates uh, through the burn injury. Mm-hmm. And they were always like, you need to write a book because this is insane. Yeah. What you're, because they saw the behind the scenes and, mm-hmm. and what I was really truly going through. Yeah. But that was like, you know, this is almost 20 years ago. Yeah. Right. And just even with all the crazy stuff after hockey that happened and I'm like, maybe, maybe it's time to, to write this. Cause it was COVID too. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, at the end of the day, I didn't want to, because I, you know, as a man, especially in hockey, we're not mm-hmm. taught to be like vulnerable and yes. all right. that yeah. Stuff. Yeah. don't talk about your emotions. Kind yeah, of thing, yeah. I was totally like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I had learned to talk about it more. Like I said, when I hit rock bottom and I, I got help yeah. and talked to someone and it, it changed everything. Yeah. It's like so, through a breakdown, he had a breakthrough. Yeah. And I had, <laughs> so I had gotten a taste of like being open and vulnerable, mm-hmm. but that's, this still scared me. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm like, like, can, if I can help one person with this, then yeah. it would be worth it. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, hold on to the dream just a little longer. Yeah. And, you know, being able to reframe adversity in the way you look at your life and, and all these hard times kind yeah. of thing. So, yeah, I said, fuck it. Well, let's, I got nothing else to let's do. It. Let's write this book. I just started writing it. And uh, yeah, it took about two years mm. from the time I started writing it till it was, it was done. Yeah. Um, the writing of it was easy because I wasn't like creating anything. I just yeah. was like, here it is. It's my mm-hmm. story. Yeah. Yeah. The editing was the hard part, mm. right? Because it's kind of like a puzzle and then you got to piece things. And then when you piece it in the right place, you ideally want to try and, you know, convey emotion and then the story yeah. the right way yeah mm-hmm. so that was really challenging and i did it all myself so mm-hmm. uh, like the even all the editing and, and all that wow wow yeah good for you yeah woo yeah that's yeah. no that's and awesome and then here we are and then i yeah, like i launched here, yeah. my coaching business like right in that time and mm-hmm. wow. um yeah i've been yeah a lot of speaking engagements around north america so yeah, yeah. We're, we're busy but it's good that's good yeah, yeah. that's cool let's touch a little bit i know we're almost out of time Oh, we are out of time, but that's okay. We'll keep going. Um, uh, we're, I want to know a little bit about like finding that vulnerability within, because you said, right, as a man and yes, in sports especially, but I find men overall have a hard yeah. time being vulnerable. And when, you know, you're kind of stuck at that rock bottom, mm-hmm. you know, um, how did you find that piece where you could, you know, share with, you know, family and friends, you know, the stuff that you've been going through? Like, at what point did you be like, no, I need to well, let it all out? At that, well, the point <laughs> that I knew was when I was at rock bottom and I'm yeah. like, I, I'm like, I can't continue on like this. Mm-hmm. So that's, I got help. And so I guess the answer to your question is, is like a lot of things in life is just experience. Yeah. So the more times I did it, mm-hmm. the, the more times, again, it's just like getting comfortable with that mm-hmm. uncomfortableness, right? Yeah. Um, so it's not, I guess, unlike other maybe skills or things in life where yeah. I've ne- I had never done it. So of course it scared the shit out of me. Yeah. You know, at first when I, again, talked to, talk to this counselor, um, 
so once the book came along and my my wife and I have like really great communication mm-hmm. um so that's like other times I'm I'm getting reps yeah. and being vulnerable yeah because again I'll catch myself like shielding that and, and mm-hmm. it's like well you're not really being vulnerable so I'm like okay yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I, I can I can recognize that now but yeah. but again I think the answer to your question is just just reps and, yeah. and experience because yeah it's going to be uncomfortable, mm-hmm. right? Right. Has so, so now it's less and less uncomfortable to be as I go. To be vulnerable. Yeah. 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 So it just takes practice yeah. for me, at least. That's what I've found. Had it changed your relationship with your wife when you became a little bit more vulnerable? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's just. I think it's a big piece of the uh, communication pie, really. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. there's other there's other slices in there, but yeah, yeah, vulnerability is a big one. Yeah. I think for her too, but. Yeah, you know, especially like for men, I think, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and and it just it creates that element of trust mm-hmm. more and connection, um, connection, yeah, hundred percent, yeah, I find. and so the communication thing's been been huge, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's too bad you can't come to the. Event I know it's all, the, about our, it's all about know, communication. It's all about the power of communication. Mm. Trust me, we almost I almost <laughs> said yes, and I'm because we want to. I think yeah. it'd be a lot of fun, but. Yeah. Next yeah, we're literally going to be moving boxes. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, we could maybe jet. And then... Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, wait a minute. Like boundaries. Let's, yeah. Boundaries. Well, yeah, we, sometimes we have a hard time with yeah, that. But, with, uh, yeah, yeah. We're learning uh, to set boundaries as well for me and, and my yeah. family. And yeah, my husband and I are actually in the process of creating um, a institute for communication and leadership development. Oh, so. Cool. It took us a while um, yeah. uh, to get to this point, almost eight years, because, yeah. you know, life and stuff happens yeah. and the timing is just right. And vulnerability is is, is huge in our messaging yeah. as well. That's amazing. The, yeah. And for at least, you know, especially like in the, the mental health world and even the hockey world, it it's not, it's no longer a sign of weakness, yeah. mm-hmm. which it used to be, mm-hmm. right? It's like, yeah. I can't show these people I'm weak because yeah. um, that's not who I am. Yeah. Or now it's a sign of strength. Exactly, so it's slowly yeah. flipped, which is, is which is really great because yeah. it's like, oh, I'm I'm stronger now if I yeah. show you my know, open up. Right. Yeah. And so it's it's I think we still have a ways to go, but it, yeah. it is changing for the for the better for that reason. Yeah. So no, yeah. that's awesome that you know we have people like you who are you have two boys. Mm-hmm. So you know having that influence and mm-hmm. saying hey you know, visualization, communication, vulnerability. Mm-hmm. It's changing that, you know, stigma, stereotype, stereotype yeah. around totally. what boys are supposed to be like. You know, you're a protector, yeah. no feelings, don't cry, don't share. Yeah. You know, you're strong and powerful while, you know, women mm-hmm. totally. are totally free to express themselves. But also as women, we, this, the you know, when we are... It, in that breakdown, when we are vulnerable, sometimes it is seen as like, oh, you're too emotional. Yeah, too weak. Right. Too so you're weak. Oh my gosh, you're... So I'm glad that, you know, we're now merging the it, two. Yeah, merging, right? right? And it's like, okay, well, no, we all need... But even recognizing, you know, like, we're going to voice that differently or experience yeah. it differently, right? Yeah. Um, and that's been a big thing too. Yeah. Of just like recognizing that and yeah. even like... A thing that I sometimes struggle with is like empathy mm-hmm. for for others, even my kid, and I have to catch my or my kids. Yeah. Well, the baby's too young yeah. now, but eventually, <laughs> walk it off. No. I, I have to remember, like, 
they're not you. Yeah. And so I, that's one thing for me. I have to like, I project, I'm like, you know, we'll suck it up. Like you're yeah. fine. Right. Which there can be an element of that, yeah. but also being in tune with the emotional side mm-hmm. and like, it's, it's good to, to recognize that. And to, you're a human, you're, yeah. you can be emotional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm not saying bury any of that. Right. Yeah. But it's just like, yeah, finding a balance and mm-hmm. especially for, for young boys. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's my world, I guess. So yeah. just trying to nourish that. Right. Yeah. 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 Cool. Friend, like we have a, uh, someone world of boys, world of girls, and now you, and you have two. Yeah. I guess I have so, both a combo world. A yeah. combo world. <laughs> Girl one of boy. each. Yeah, 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 yeah boys, nice. girls. So, you know, the challenges in yeah. all yeah. situations, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but, for sure. Well, oh, well, we usually like end with a few parenting rapid fires. But first, if you don't mind, here's my one rapid fire I just thought of. I want to know, unrelated to parenting, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. if the BXs are as cool in real life as they seem in Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't honestly remember. Juice's wife super well. I think her name's Katie. Yeah, I like her book too. She has yeah, she book. read a book. I haven't read it, but uh, they're, yeah, they're great. I love them. Yeah, so they uh, but, great. I, but I knew. I know them. I, I knew uh, <laughs> Kevin obviously a little more uh, than his wife, the hockey player Kevin Bieksa. Oh. Yeah, oh, she's, he's cool. He's he's a witty guy, like on the air, and he yeah. that's how he is in person too. He's like a fun, fun witty guy. Um, yeah, again, I don't know her super well, like just meeting and passing and at mm-hmm. the odd like team thing, but yeah, uh, they're okay. cool. They're okay, definitely good, cool. Good, yeah. good. I'm glad you didn't shatter my <laughs> dreams there. And uh, <laughs> in terms of parenting, yeah, what do you find one of the most biggest struggles as a dad? What do you find? Oh, that's a good question. I think what I said earlier of just uh, projecting my, I guess, life experiences in the in the sense that that it robs me of that empathy sometimes. Mm-hmm. So like in a moment where, you know, I, I do that and I'm like, suck it up. I'm like, that's not what he needs right now. Yeah. He needs support mm-hmm. versus that, right? There's times for yeah. the other, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so I think that's my biggest struggle is sometimes I catch myself and like, oh, he, he just needs a hug. Now. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, because as parents, yeah. yeah, is that like, yeah. yeah, well, I did, like, my story is yeah. this yeah. and I survive, right? So why are you crying with that yeah. kind of... And I think just yeah. the shit I've seen is... Yeah. But, you know, that's they, not what that's he needs in those his, moments. Yeah. Because I think, like, I, I really believe that, like, our job as parents isn't to make our kids happy. Yeah, right. It's to make them, like strong functioning adults. Yeah, yeah. Right. And obviously there'll be some lots of happiness involved, yeah. but like sometimes yeah. that, that won't be. Yeah. Yeah. So I think for me, like just projecting that at wrong times mm-hmm. is, is my biggest struggle okay. that I'm um, still learning. And we're all, we're all yeah. like, it's and never sometimes under. I feel like my mother or like my father comes into my mouth, you know, and you're like, yeah, sucking yeah. Up. you're like, oh, right. That's yeah. 1980s. Yeah. But <laughs> what is one of the things that brings you the most joy as a parent? Oh, yeah, I think just the little, so now it's because I'm back to the newborn stage, right? right? And I just think those, those first moments that, because my oldest son's quite a bit older. So mm-hmm. the first moments of like yeah. s- the smiles and the, mm-hmm. the, the babbling and then. You talk baby just, to your baby. Do you? Go? Right now I do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's apparently like, you're not supposed to, but I mean, I, oh, I do not know how I to I think talk that changes later though. Yeah. Cause I think you're supposed to like 
talk in that imitate same tone. them because yeah. that's how they learn how to communicate. And yeah. he does. So yeah. if he goes like, ah, woo, woo, yeah. and then mm-hmm. I repeat it and then he'll like say something, something else. else. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think later on you're not supposed. I don't know. I don't There's know. all these rules. I mean, there's supposed so to, many who's rules. Makes up these rules. Exactly. If you want to just talk to away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but now I think one of my biggest joys is just I love you know just being outside and like we do a lot of camping and mm-hmm. fishing and, and hunting and mm-hmm. I think that's especially in this world today. Mm-hmm. Uh, what the kids grow up in in a digital world. Yes. That that's very and my my oldest son just he loves it. Mm-hmm. He would do that all day long. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um so obviously my my youngest isn't there yet, but yeah, I really just want to like nurture that mm-hmm. a little more because it, when we go camping as a family and it's just that's where we're like in our happy place mm-hmm. and the world is shut off and it's yeah. just us. That's so cool. yeah, probably that's that. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And um well, does your oldest son like being a, a big brother? Is that, does he like Yeah. It? Yeah. He's, he's so good. Oh, yeah, he great. really is. Um, so he actually, we have a big blended family. So he's, he's got another brother on my, my ex's side. Mm-hmm. So he's had a little practice and, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, he's, he's super good. That's he's amazing. really cute with him. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming. And where can people find you if they want to find you on Instagram or your website or yeah, everything's yeah. my name. So everything's your websites, AaronVolpatti.com, Instagram and social media is at Aaron Volpatti. So perfect. Well, thank awesome. you for yeah. being here. Yeah, thanks so much. And now I'm gonna ask I can't for a signature. Yeah, I hope you guys yeah. enjoy the book. Like a, yeah. If you yeah, don't like to read, to. you can give it away. There's an audiobook version too. But yeah. Oh, I like to read. Uh I'm on pills now for my ADHD. So maybe I'll be able. I do audible, right? Yeah. So because if that's uh, your thing, that's an option. I will. I will give, I'm going to try. You're going to give it a whirl. I'm going to give it a whirl. I'm going to visualize me finishing this physical (laughs) book. (laughs) Well, it literally starts with me on fire. So you'll be hopefully entertained. So yeah, well, Well, thank you you so much. You have a powerful story and thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. Okay, till next time. Bye. 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 Thanks so much for listening. Now we want to hear from you. And don't forget to follow us at Let's Not Sugarcoat It Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time. Bye. Bye.